I want to particularly welcome uh, this morning Pastor Jeff Silliman, who was the pastor here for 26 years. He'll be helping uh, and assisting, leading in the communion. Uh, but Jeff and Connie, his wife, are here this morning, and we're blessed to have them. I know many of you know Jeff from your years here, but uh, if you're newer here and you haven't met him, uh, so much of the health and the life of this church is because of him and his ministry. And uh, Jeff and Connie pop in on us once in a while. We're glad for that. They're here in Salt Lake City. Jeff's just retired after finishing an interim at Cottonwood Presbyterian Church, but we're glad that uh, Pastor Jeff can be with us today. At the end of almost every Sunday morning worship service in this church, we share in something called the charge. It's something we say to one another, and it's become a tradition of this church and one that many people value as part of this worship. It's been a part of MOPC for just about 30 years. This church has been saying that charge. Now, last year, Tracy Nichols found me at the end of one of the worship services, and Tracy and the Nichols worship here at 11 o'clock, many of you know them, she said, Phil, uh, you should preach on the charge sometime. And so I want to thank Tracy for that suggestion, and I thought, well, on our 50th anniversary, what better Sunday uh, than to talk about these words that we say every Sunday. Um, it would be appropriate to do that. And so this morning, I want to preach on where the charge comes from. It's biblical foundations, and it's value to us as a congregation. From time to time, I'm asked about the charge. Say, well, where can I find, where does, where does this come in the Bible? Where can I look it up? The charge doesn't actually come from one certain passage of the Bible. It's created from an amalgamation of verses and phrases and passages in the Bible. I'm going to ask Jeff to come up and, and help me. Um, and uh, there's a microphone right there, Jeff. And Jeff is going to read each stanza of the charge as we know it, okay? And then I'm going to quote, and you'll see them up here, I'm going to quote the different Bible passages that those phrases come from, either directly or you'll see how those passages influence them. So I think you'll pick up the connection, so listen. Go out into the world, peace and love, proclaim the good news. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Have courage. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be people of courage, be strong. Hold on to what is good. Romans 12, 9. Cling to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. Hold on to the good. Return no one evil for evil. Romans 12, 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Honor all people. 1 Peter 2, 17, Show proper respect to and honor everyone. Love and serve the Lord. Deuteronomy 6.5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And Deuteronomy 6.13, serve only God. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jeff. What we call the charge comes from the worship traditions of the Presbyterian Church. I don't know how far back it goes. I don't know if any one person wrote it or if a group of people wrote it. I did find it in a resource called The Worship Book, which was used very heavily in worship in Presbyterian churches that was published in 1970. But these words became a part of our worship services about 1980. At that time, the director of music in this church was a woman named Ruth Walker. And uh, apparently she was a classically trained musician, had very high standards for the choir. Her husband was Don. I understand, I'm told by those who have been here a long time and remember Ruth and Don, that just a very friendly man who just took as his ministry to greet and to welcome people that were new into this church. Ruth began as the director of music in 1976. She uh, She served for nine years until her health no longer allowed her to do this. She found the charge, and she suggested to Jeff Silliman, as he was pastor at that time, that that this be tried in the worship service. So they did, and it took, and people liked it. After a few years, Jeff modified the words. Now, the original way that the charge actually reads in, in the resources of the Presbyterian Church worship is to go out into the world in peace, have courage, and so on. Well, one night as Jeff was praying on the roof of his house, he received a deep and profound vision from the Lord, and the glory of the Lord shone around him, and being the spiritually attuned person that he is, as the radiance of the Lord was bearing down upon him, actually that didn't happen, he was probably having a cup of coffee up at Einstein's, but Jeff was led to modify the charge in this way so that it would say, go out into the world in peace and love, proclaim the good news. Uh, Pastor Jeff was concerned that the two great commandments that call us to love God and love other people uh, need to be included, and there was no mention of loving others. He was also concerned that the sharing of the gospel was not included. And believing that this is central to the mission of the church, then Jeff said, well, let's add the words to love and proclaim the good news. And that is the way that we say it and it reads today. MOPC, this church helped start a community of grace Presbyterian church in Sandy back in the 80s. And I understand that that church shares in these words in some form every Sunday. I'm I'm told that. And for reasons I don't know, we... Uh, we don't, the only Sunday we don't share in the charge is on communion Sundays, which is usually the second Sunday of the month here. We're sharing communion this morning because of the day, first Sunday of a new year, the anniversary. Um, but we might change that. Maybe we need to start saying the charge also every week, even when we do communion. And the way that we are to share in these words, this is the way it's, it's done. I was taught this. We say them to one another. We don't say them to the screen. We don't say them to Phil. We say them to one another. We are charging one another. I know um, if you're new here, you don't have the words yet. You've got to look up at the screen. My first whole year as a pastor, I had to keep looking up at the screen. But once, once you do it enough, you get them memorized, and uh, then you need to start looking around 
to other people because we're saying them to one another. Now, during the beginning of my time as pastor here some years ago, I wondered if the charge was getting a little stale. We've been doing this for a long time. I wondered, well, maybe we should just do it once in a while. Maybe we should do something different, change it up. I soon learned that this is deeply, and it wasn't in a negative way, but I soon learned that this was deeply valued by people, and this was something that needs to stay and that we need to keep doing just as it is. This is why it's important that we do this. This is the value of the charge. Number one, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not just a Sunday thing. True faith in Christ is lived all week long beyond the walls of this church building. So when we tell one another to go out into the world and to proclaim the good news and to uh, strengthen the faint-hearted and such, we are commissioning one another to live out our faith wherever we may find ourselves. We're sending one another out as missionaries and as ambassadors and representatives of Christ. Second value that this charge has is there's a certain way that we are to live that faith. Not just any old way, but a certain way. There are probably any number of things that could be in the charge that are also important. uh, Things that come out of the Bible, exhortations about how we live. And by the way, if you want to see just a host of other exhortations, I would point you to the end of almost any letter in the New Testament. Many of the letter writers give these long lists of exhortations of how we are to live very practically at the end of those uh, letters. But, but the words that we use include, I think, some of the most fundamental convictions about a spirit-led, Christ-honoring life. And they're probably enough for us to live any given week. If you and I really take seriously the proclaiming of the good news, supporting the weak, helping the suffering, returning no one evil for evil, and do all those things, I think we'll be doing well. That's a good week. If I can live these things from the time I leave this place on Sunday morning until the time I come back here the next Sunday, boy, I'll be doing okay. You know, Christians don't necessarily always have the best of reputations today. Some of that is deserved. Some of it is not. But there are plenty of people, people who go out into the world with force and manipulation, condemning everything and everyone, striving for power, ready to throw punches for God, having contempt for those who are weak or vulnerable and with absolutely no joy whatsoever, and they do it all in the name of Jesus. The more followers of Jesus can live the true life of Christ, and these words, I think, in many ways encapsulate that pretty well, the more people are going to see Christianity as it truly needs to be lived. How we live makes a difference, really makes a difference. The third value of this charge is is the repetition, and the repetition is good. There's a value in saying these words again and again, week in and week out. Having something drilled into our minds and that hopefully filters its way down into our heart and into the way we think and live will help us react to the various situations in which we find ourselves. Maybe some of you have already had the experience of you're in a situation, you're with somebody and Something of that charge that is ingrained in you comes to your mind and it influences the way that you respond to that situation. Repetition is actually something uh, God thinks is good. 
when the Lord gave Israel the command to love him with all heart, all soul, all strength, this is what he said. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's from Deuteronomy 6. In other words, go over this again and again and again and remember it until it becomes a part of your life. Fourth value of this charge is it's good that we say it together because it unifies us and makes us part of something larger than ourselves. Paul writes to the Romans and says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity amongst yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and one mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, being a Christian is being part of the body of Christ. There is no Christianity lived in isolation. You can't do it by yourself. It's not to be done by ourselves. To be a Christian, uh, the Bible assumes we are worshiping, we are living, we are participating with other Christians. And there are times in our worship services when we say other things together. Sometimes words about what we believe. Sometimes it's in the form of prayer. Sometimes it's the charge. And by saying these words together, we're saying, you know what, we're a part of one another. We're on the same team. We share the same convictions. We want to live the same way because we all want to live for the one Lord who we all worship. Saying the charge brings us all together. It unifies us and it makes us accountable to one another before the Lord. And then the reminder is good. We need to remind ourselves to go in peace and love. Why? Because that's the way Christ came. We need to remind ourselves to proclaim the good news. Because people need to know of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to know of the forgiveness of sins. They need to know that they are loved by God. We need to have courage because it's very easy to be fearful. We need to hold on to what is good because evil surrounds us. It's even exalted in these days. We need to return no one evil for evil because we believe and we trust the day will come when God will right every wrong and he will bring his perfect justice on whatever is truly evil. And we aren't called to perpetrate the current trend and the current glorification of revenge. That's not us. We need to remind ourselves to strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering because the vast majority of us are those people. And it's in the least of these that Jesus is most clearly found. He said that. We need to honor all people, even those we dislike, maybe can't stand, because every person is made in the image of God, and God loves them. And it doesn't mean we don't always, we have to agree or admire that person, but we don't insult, we don't put them down. And we need to do this with joy and in the power of the Holy Spirit because Lord knows we don't have it in us or can we do this alone by ourselves. Can't live this way. We need the empowerment of God to be in us to make it all happen, the Holy Spirit. And then the 
the last reason I think of that the charge is good is because God's plan is to use us all. His plan is to use us, his people, his body in this broken, hurting, groaning world. As St. Teresa of Avila put it, Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks out Christ's compassion to the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. And yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Christians represent Christ. Each week, when we end our worship and charge ourselves with these words, we're making a connection between what we sing and pray and hear and do with what goes on and the way we respond outside of this place. You know, sports teams sometimes have a huddle or a chant that they do in the locker room or on the sideline before they take the field. I have seen some... uh, Football teams do what is called the haka dance before games. Have you ever seen that? It actually comes, I guess, from New Zealand and from the rugby tradition there. But I've seen some American teams do it. And if you've ever seen the haka, you know how the whole team moves and chants together. It's, it's kind of a dance and a chant. Every player does this as kind of a way of getting themselves psyched up for the game, for what they're going to do. I don't know. the charge is kind of like our haka dance. Or it's the pep talk in the boardroom. Or it's the final instructions before the mission. I've asked a number of people in this church uh, to share what the charge means to them because I don't have a lock on at all. And I think it means many things to many people. And I'm going to post those on my blog this week. So if you'd like to look at that and see what some of your Uh, friends in this church think about the uh, that charge and and how it speaks to them look this week it'll be posted up there but this is where it came from this is why we do it let's continue to say these words to say how we're to live and let's continue to live what we say amen